0: Hello, race fans, and welcome to another edition of the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. I am your host, Scott Stiller. Thanks for finding us. Coming up on this week's podcast, we're talking with Arkham Series and Cars Super Late Model Series driver, Corey Heim. He'll be among the competitors racing at Jennerstown 4th of July weekend, and he's got a unique Pittsburgh connection. We'll also check in with Jim Zufall of Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. Jim will fill us in on all of the action from PPMS on opening night. We're also talking with Rush Sprint and 410 Sprint Car Driver Zach Morrow, one of the winners at PPMS on opening weekend. And we're also going to talk with 410 Sprint Car Driver Brandon Spithaller, who is already off to a strong start in 2020. On the pole position for tonight's show is Corey Heim, who's racing in three different series this year, and he will also be racing at Jennerstown Speedway on the 4th of July. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, driver of the number 78 late model on the Cars Late Model Stock Car Tour, which are going to roar into Jennerstown Speedway over the 4th of July weekend, Corey Heim. And for the folks at home, Corey, I understand you have some connections to Western Pennsylvania.
1: Yeah, so my dad actually um, grew up in uh, near Pittsburgh, um, and he uh, had sisters and family there. Obviously, he grew up with his mom, and um, he uh, actually I was born in Atlanta. He moved down to Atlanta for work um, when I was born, and I grew up there. But we visit them every year, and I'm a huge uh, you know Pittsburgh Penguins, Steelers, and Pirates fan. Um, you know, I, you know, that's my that's my main teams for everything, and um, I love Pittsburgh. You know, I go there pretty much every year. As I said, this is a family for Thanksgiving, so uh, that's my main connection to to Pittsburgh.
0: Well, when they introduce you this weekend up at Jennerstown, maybe get that terrible towel out and wave it a little bit. That'll get the home home crowd fired up. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of those guys. Awesome. Well, we're glad you took time to talk with us and join us on the podcast. We're always excited to have uh, someone that's on a tour and on a touring division that we can talk to about racing and anytime they're connected to Pennsylvania. It gives a hometown fan somebody to root for.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I've never actually been to Pennsylvania to race before, so it'll be a uh, really interesting and just different theme for me. Um, the farthest north I think I've been is Ohio, so I guess it's not too far off from from the Pittsburgh area. But, uh, you know, I'm just really excited to get up there and uh, see what it's all about. for have heard like, a very beautiful facility. So I'm really excited to get going this weekend.
0: Awesome. Well, tell us, how did you first get into racing as a fan? Um, well, my dad's uh, really always just
1: kind of been interested in NASCAR. And, uh, you know, he's been interested in other sports, too. But I always felt like uh, me and my dad had a connection with racing. And um, we always were just really you know, hyped up to just watch the NASCAR and just really any kind of motorsports, motor um, you know, and, uh, that was, you know, when I was really young, four or five years old. And, uh, one year we're actually in Pittsburgh for Christmas. And, um, he surprised me with a, uh, a picture of a quarter midget, which is just a, a smaller go-kart made pretty much made for, you know, young kids that are trying to get into racing. And, um, he showed me that. And, um, you know, as soon as we got back down to Georgia, he actually, you know, showed me the race car itself and just kind of gave me a, an idea of like kind of what we'd be doing and what, what he wanted to try for me, and uh, you know, I was a little bit skeptical of it at, at first because um, you know I'd never been in a race car before. I was five years old, and I you know I was a little frightened. But I, and, and as soon as I got you know into it and started practicing, I really took to it, and um, you know, ever since then we've just been moving on along up the ranks. And I've always just really had a love for racing, and uh, I don't see myself letting that down anytime soon.
0: Well, let's talk about your progression. You started in go-karts, and then what did you move up to after the go-karts, and approximately at what age?
1: Yeah, so I was in um, quarter midgets go-karts until I was, um, I think was about 12 or 13 years old, so that would have been about 2015 for me, and then I moved up to uh, a car called a Bandolero car, which is um, similar to mini cup, if you've ever heard of that, um, they raced those at Atlanta Motor Speedway at the, uh, Legends Oval, So just a smaller, smaller little track that's on Atlanta Motor Speedway and, uh, raced those for a little while and then ultimately moved up to Legends Cars, which I raced for two years when I was, uh, I think I moved into those when I was 15 and 16 years old. And finally at the end of, uh, at the end of 2017, I got in a late model. For the first time a prolate model and um pretty much been doing those and moved up to arca last year and raced 13 races for um for the arca series so and it's been a uh, it's been an interesting journey but i think we've we've you know played played our cards right so far and hopefully my progression keeps on going
0: well that's the key is is you got to have a little bit of success and you got to have a little bit of uh got to get some eyeballs on you and A lot of it has to do with, uh, sponsorship. So who are some of the companies that are supporting your, uh, racing right now?
1: You know, I think the biggest one would probably be, uh, Toyota racing. Um, this year we we we're with uh, Toyota racing development and they've just been, you know, really helping, helping me out this year. Um, their whole, the whole racing development, you know, they got a gym that I can work out at and they got a lot of people that just are really supportive and, um, yeah, I do just such a great job it's, it's just they, all they want is success really and uh, they'll do anything to get you successful so um, i've really thought that they've they've helped me a lot out this year and uh, i think some other smaller uh, companies that have been helping me out at second performance uh bunter brothers distillery in virginia um those guys are also just um really supportive and uh really uh you know wouldn't trade those guys for anything they do they do a lot for me and um also my teams you know leap performance Shed motorsports benarini they all uh three teams that i'm racing for this year and they've all been really good to me this year so couldn't ask for much more than that
0: how hard is it juggling three different series three different teams and three different schedules
1: um you know i get asked that a lot and it's just you know it is a little bit difficult to uh adapt to each car especially when you go back to back weekends with completely different race cars but um, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, preparing off the racetrack before the weekend and just doing a lot of studying of, um, you know, especially if you haven't been to the racetrack before, which is kind of how it's going to be this weekend. We don't, I've never been to Jennerstown before. I've never seen the racetrack, but, um, there's a lot of footage out there that I can study and that's, that's what I've been doing. So, um, you know, it's definitely not easy, but, um, there's a lot of people that'll, you know, give me advice and help me out as best as possible. And, uh, generally we, at the end of the day, we'll figure it out. Uh, just for the race, so um, it's always interesting. But w- we normally uh, can get the job done.
0: Now, how much track time will you get when you guys unload at the racetrack this weekend? How much, uh, how much time will they give you out on the track? Since <clears throat> this is this is your first time there, and kind of like, what would be your checklist when you guys get the car on the track? Uh, generally, uh,
1: Cars Tour will give you a Friday pretty much a full day of practice and then we race on Saturday with a little bit of practice in the morning but um, since Car Store has never been there, they're going to um, allow a uh, test on Thursday so that's pretty much going to be an all day test Thursday and Friday and they'll get a little bit in the morning on Saturday but as far as um, I guess goals and practice is to just um, you know adapt to the track as quick as I can and um, just really just get a good balance on the race car is all I can ask for um, I really don't have any idea what you know times are going to look like but um, you know, grip levels or anything like that. But all I can really ask for is just to uh, have a solid race car and get a good balance on it. So uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Now, some guys like to drive a, a, t- a little bit of a tighter race car. Some guys like to drive a little bit of a, a looser race car. Where do you fall in that spectrum?
1: Um, Yeah, a lot of people on, you know, in the super late model side like driving loose race cars. But Uh, personally, I just, I would honestly be a little bit more on the tight side just because, um, I feel like I can, you know, manipulate the car with like brake bias and just changing a few things with my line, uh, especially on like a really, from what I've seen, a grippy racetrack like Jennerstown, um, you know, you can really just move around and just find different things that work for your race car where on a slick racetrack, I mean, you just kind of got to fall into line and just, um, you know, you got what you got, but, um, on, on a racetrack like Jennerstown where you just, you know, there's not a lot of tire saving or anything like that. Um, I think uh, I'd, I'd rather have a tire race car for sure. So
0: so <laughs> what, what has this season been like for you up to this point with the COVID-19 restrictions? How, how much has that affected your schedule to this point? And then, now that you know some states are starting to go green, and some states are having racing and things of that nature, and what's it done to your schedule as the season has gone on? It, it's got to be kind of like basically throwing the uh, the the bingo balls into the thing and just twisting them around and not really knowing what's going on.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty accurate. It's been it's been very hectic so far. Um, I think the biggest problem occurs when you drive for you know three teams like I do just um and three different schedules like i mean probably five different series with you know a couple of different teams so uh it's definitely been tough just because um as you said you know some states are opening up and allowing racing just about every weekend and then some you know some race track or some states are now not allowing racetracks to uh open up till the end of the year if not even next year so um you know it's still kind of just a question mark on if we're going to even get all the races in this year but um with two months off it's, uh, it's gonna be really tough just because my You know, schedule is pretty much packed from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So I'd be surprised if we got all the races in. But all I can really ask for at this point is just to uh, to be able to race at all. So um, it's been tough figuring it out. But we've been somewhat uh, substituting some races in here and there uh, instead of others. But um, at the end of the day, I just got to, you know, figure out what my priorities are. And uh, Jennerstown, I think, would uh, definitely fall into a priority this weekend. So uh, looking forward to that.
0: Now, you, uh, you mentioned you also drive for Venturini, Venturini Motorsports in the ARCA series. How many races do you have planned for ARCA, and are you driving the the touring series? Are you and, and I've seen you've driven Menards East, Menards West. What exactly is your schedule for those guys? Uh, it's been
1: a pretty good mixture of um, all three ARCA series, actually. Um, at the beginning of the year we had uh, seven races planned and I raced one in February. So we'd have six left and, um, Sonoma, uh, which is the road course down in California actually got canceled. So, uh, we're still kind of looking for a track to substitute that in, but, uh, as I know, we're pretty much doing, I think three more East Arca East races, and then, uh, two more main Arca series races. So, um, that's pretty much how it's going to play out, I think, but, um, with everything, you know, up in the air still we could have a completely different schedule that i'm you know looking at right now so uh, that's the plan so far
0: so what are the two uh main arca series races that you're planning on running because i know they're televised by fs1 so this will give the folks a chance to check it uh check you out on tv as well
1: yeah so the uh the most uh the next arca race that i'm planning on doing is going to be kansas on july 24th uh, and that'll be actually my first mile and a half race. I uh turn eighteen, you know, pretty much in the next ten, fifteen days I think. So I need to be eighteen to run Kansas. So um it'll be my first uh kind of racetrack like that, mile and a half racetrack. So that'll be really interesting for me. And um the other uh, the other race will be DuCoin Fairgrounds, which is in Illinois and I don't think it's gonna be on F S one actually, but it will be on um I think it'll be on Mav T V or NBC Track Pass, which is also, you know, another streaming service that you can watch it on to Uh, Those are the next two, and I think you coined in September, and
0: uh, Kansas,
1: as I said, is July
0: 24th. Awesome, awesome. And then the ARCA East races that you have left are where?
1: So the ARCA East races, um, one of them is still up in the air, but I know for sure that we're going to do um, New Hampshire, and I think the other one is going to be, I know we have a West race in Phoenix, so our ARCA West race is in Phoenix, which is substitute for Sonoma, which is you know still up in the air, as I said, but it's likely that we're going to do Phoenix, and then um, kind of drawn a blank on the other one. I know there's New Hampshire, and then there's one other, and then the other one's up in the air. So those last two are both kind of up in the air, but um, I'll figure it out sooner or later. I think um, we're thinking about doing Dover because there's an opening in the schedule there. So uh, Dover, Delaware, which is a pretty intense racetrack, I'm really excited to do that if I have the opportunity to, but uh, the last one is going to be up in the air for now.
0: Now, how do you uh, do you race? Uh, do you learn some of these tracks on iRacing? Does Toyota give you access to a simulator or is it just okay? I'm here. Time to learn the track.
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, just Dover uh, in specific, yes, uh, iRacing does include that racetrack, and I do do a lot of iRacing in my spare time. And during the whole, you know, when everything was shut down, like iRacing was pretty much all I could do to, you know, stay in the seat. But now I just kind of use it for an upcoming race or something like that. But uh, yeah, and Toyota does have a simulator that, uh, that I'll use, um, you know, when I can with everything you know going on right now. The restrictions are pretty tight on that simulator, but uh, every time I can get on it, I pretty much will, especially for a track like Dover that I've never been to and uh, that is on that simulator. So, um, but for a track like Jennerstown, you know, there's pretty much no way I can practice on it other than just, you know, show up and walk the track and just see what I can learn and you know obviously watch footage and stuff like that on YouTube so um you know some tracks are good to just go on a simulator on and some tracks just you can't find them anywhere so it's a good mixture of both.
0: Well it's an invaluable tool that it seems like more and more uh racers are using to at least get familiar with the tracks uh how many friends and family are going to be in the stands at Jennerstown this weekend are everybody making the trip up? Uh,
1: for all I know, yeah, I think um, just about my whole, uh, pretty much everyone in my family from Pittsburgh is going to try to make the chip, uh, trip, or at least a uh, uh, close family, so i uh, really excited to see them there. I think they've been to two or three of my previous races, and um, hopefully this time I have a little bit better luck for those guys, so I'm really looking forward to seeing them.
0: How can the race fans follow you, and uh, do you have a Facebook page, uh, social media, a website?
1: Yeah, so I have, um, I have a website, which is just com. I have a uh, Facebook page, which is just CoreyHeimRacing. And I also have a Twitter and Instagram, which you can find by just typing in my name, CoreyHeim, and it'll it'll pop up. So, um, yeah, you definitely check us out and uh, go to our website to see what's up. And uh, we always post updates and stuff on uh, our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we're pretty much racing every weekend at this point, so uh, definitely check us out.
0: Cool. And for the folks that are listening, Corey spells his name C-O-R-E-Y h-e-i-m so when you google it and plug it into your social media accounts it'll be easy to find so what do you expect as far as competition this weekend at Jennerstown uh who are going to be some of the guys that are the guys to beat every week on the cars tour
1: uh definitely I'd say um yeah I think the competition's gonna be actually really good this weekend um you know when you have a price tag like they're putting on it which is twenty thousand dollars it's I think the highest paying super late-model race for the car store this year. So I think they're going to have a good, you know, strong and deep field this weekend. And uh, just on a weekly basis, I think they got, you know, people like Bubba Pollard will likely be there. Uh, Matt Craig's really good in the car store. And um, I would be interested to see if some of the northern guys that go, you know, to uh, the Midwestern tracks would make the trip down to uh, Jennerstown and see if, see what they got. But I think it's going to be... Probably at least 25 to 30 cars, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, what kind of competition shows up. But I also know my, my teammate Steven Asti will be there, and he's always really strong as well. So uh, looking forward to seeing, seeing what the, the competition's like.
0: Well, we're looking forward to it as well. Put your salesman's hat on for all the race fans in Western PA. Why should they make the trek up to Jennerstown or any of the other local tracks where uh, the young drivers like yourself are taking part in action week after week?
1: Well, I'd say, uh, just because of everything going on, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure Jennerstown. you know, obviously there's a big race this weekend there and, um, there's not a lot else going on just because of the whole pandemic. So, um, um, as far as I know, they're allowing a, a certain amount of fans. So that would be a uh, great trip just to go down there. And the the, the facility is beautiful from what I've heard. I've never been there, but I've seen pictures of it and there's a lot to do around the area. And from what I remember, there's like a lot of memorial, um, things around the area that you can go check out. Just a lot of history. So I think um, me and myself, if I get any spare time, I'll definitely be checking out the area. And uh, obviously the race check itself is a very beautiful facility. So looking forward to seeing it.
0: Well, Corey, we uh, wish you the best of luck this weekend. We're going to keep track of what you're up to, obviously. And uh, hopefully we can uh, maybe reach out to you later in the year and see how your season's going, if you're cool with that. Awesome. I appreciate it. Excellent. Well, thank Thanks for taking time out of your morning to talk with us. We wish you the best of luck this weekend and uh, in the ARCA series as you continue progressing up through the ranks. It'll be great to see someone like yourself. Is your ultimate goal to get to NASCAR? Yeah, I think my ultimate goal is
1: to get to NASCAR. Um, I've always just really idolized a lot of people in the sport, and um, you know, if uh, if the you know racing itself doesn't work out, I definitely want to be involved with. With NASCAR in some way, so uh, my main priority, our main goal, I guess, is to be a driver. But um, you know, as long as I'm involved with the sport, that would be uh, that would be satisfying to me.
0: Growing up in Georgia, is it sacrilegious if you're not an Elliott fan? Um, I don't know. I think
1: uh, I I'm not an Elliott fan. I, I do like Chase Elliott, and um, he has I never raced against an LA motor race or anything like that. But he has raced for teams that I've driven for. Um, so definitely have a little bit of a connection to him just from being from Georgia and I think he grew up, you know, 30 minutes from where I grew up. So definitely a connection there, but um, yeah, I guess you could say it's a little, a little weird that I'm not an LA fan, but uh, I don't know. I just never, uh, never took to him, I guess.
0: Well, that's cool. Who are some of the guys that you look up to? Uh, Who are some of your racing idols?
1: Uh, I've always been a really big uh, Denny Hamlin fan myself, just, I really like his determination and been a fan of them since I was just a little kid. So, um, definitely him and just a lot of the, uh, Joe Gibbs racing drivers. I think their organization just, uh, really top tier and what they expect out of the drivers is really top notch. So, uh, Joe Gibbs racing, just the whole organization itself and, um, you know, Kyle Bush motorsports, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, it's more about organizations for me, just like idolizing the people who run that and who are involved with it. And, uh, just the success standpoint of it and why they're so successful is, uh, is very uh, interesting for me
0: well we wish you the best of luck this weekend and we hope your career continues to progress up the ranks it's you know for a guy like you it's all about seat time so uh, we're excited to have you racing in western pennsylvania good luck and thanks for taking time out of your day to join us thank you man i'm really looking forward to being there i appreciate you talking to me on the outside of the front row this week you hear his voice Every time you visit Dirts Monster Half Mile, the voice of Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, Jim Zufall. Scott,
2: what a pleasure to be on your show. I, I, I've enjoyed what I've heard so far, and boy, PPMS opening night was was one to behold. I, I made sure to thank our fans for their patience in all kinds of ways. First off, the six or six or eight, six or seven week wait. Uh, it was the big one, obviously. And then we made them wait a little bit longer, about an extra hour. Instead of opening at 7, uh, the, the heat we have had, the winds we have had, the track was dry. And even though you groom it and do whatever during the week, uh, they poured 60,000 gallons of water on that track on Saturday. And, and I think the track was in great shape. Um, so, But we also had the added factor of, Uh, We really had a long line at the ticket booth, and Scott, I I think the issue is people are starving for this. Uh, You know, other tracks have been open, but everybody's wanting to know, you know, when's Pittsburgh going to open up? When's Lernerville going to open up? When's Sharon going to open up? I think we're the last three, and boy, when we opened the gate, I mean, the turnstile was spinning pretty well, and and everybody was really pleased. And frankly, seven divisions later, we got the whole show in in four hours, even though we started an hour late. It was midnight when we flew the last checkered flag. And I I think they got a really, uh, I think they got a lot of bang for their
0: buck. How did the fans do with the requirements that the track put in place as part of their COVID-19 safety plan? Uh, I was a little nervous uh, when I was talking to some of the track promoters when they were closed and some of the things because there seems to be such division about what people need to do in order to you know to stop the spread of this virus and uh, I thought that uh, Bill Rybar from Jennerstown said it best well you're coming to our home you're coming to our speedway so you got to play by our rules and I know the Miley's put some rules in place how'd everybody do with that?
2: Yeah, I think I'll start, Scott, by, by answering a little bit about what, what Billy Rebar talked about. And he also – I've heard him in, in other interviews as well talking about social media. And that's what catches my attention, you know, whether it's Pittsburgh or Lernerville or any of the tracks around. Uh, you know, as soon as you put some restrictions on people and you talk about the division, uh, you know, crack open your Facebook page onto any of these tracks, uh, uh, Facebook pages and you see the usual suspects trying to burn down the internet with their nonsense about you know nobody's going to tell me to wear no mask you know come on Uh, you know look uh, he's exactly right billy's exactly right you're in my house and i've described this to other people if i open jim's hardware store and my sign says you may not shop here unless you have a mask and purple shoes that's my prerogative it's your prerogative to go down the street and shop somewhere else but if you're going to get on social media and cry and complain about it. You know what? Stay home and watch SpongeBob. It's what are you, what are you doing this for? We have we have had this taken away from us for so long now. Uh, you know, I just I wish everybody would just settle down. That said, I saw a lot of people pretty well settled down at Pittsburgh. Now, granted, grandstand wise, if you know Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, you know anybody knows the history of it. It used to be Heidelberg Speedway or Heidelberg Raceway and, you know, they used to host NASCAR races. I think at one time, our bleachers were listed as 10,000. So, we, we've taken out the turn one bleachers and made that a drive-in area a few years ago, and so maybe we're still at 7,000 or whatever. Anyway, social distancing happens pretty organically in the stands. I can't speak to what happened at the ticket line concession stand restrooms, which is where we were, you know, asking people to please have masks and you know, some distancing because I just don't go there. I'm upstairs all night long. So what I do know is we were pretty, uh, we were pretty tight upstairs. If anybody wanted to come in our national anthem singer, we were, you know, made sure that she was keeping, you know, her distance and staying in the other room till we needed her. Uh, I thought the Miley's had did a pretty, have, have done a pretty good job. Can we improve? Heck we can all improve. Uh, you know, we're hoping the situation improves as well, but I think that, uh, you know we can all sit back now and assess and say okay how this first week or two do and uh you know we we just go from there
0: well said well said let's shift gears now and talk a little bit about the uh racing action because i know everybody's excited about it we'll start with the uh rush sprint cars uh seven cars in the field jeremy weaver started on the pole what can you tell us about how that uh race went down yeah,
2: that's a fun race. It's unfortunate they only had that many. Uh, normally, we have a few more than just seven. Not sure what everybody was doing. Maybe cars aren't done. Maybe guys have moved on to something else. Uh, yeah, Hollywood Weaver, as, you know, as, he's, as he goes by, uh, he's just a kid. But, boy, he's talented. And, uh he starts on the pole, but ultimately it's uh, Zach Morrow, who lives right not too far from me, a couple miles from me here in Gibsonia. Uh, Morrow takes the checkered flag. Now, Morrow also, I believe he still sports a, uh, or still races a 410 sprint, a wing sprint car in the area. And if I'm understanding right, you're going to have him on the show a little later. So clear that up. But uh, boy, he really can wheel one of these uh, rush sprint, uh, wingless sprint cars. And on the big track like ours, uh, these guys really do have a blast, and they they put on a great show. Uh, the other division that always puts on a show is the Rush Sportsman Modified. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, they uh, when they first started coming to Pittsburgh, in their In their inaugural year, it may have been my first year at the Speedway as well, we were calling races, Scott, of five and six cars. And the other night, I think we had 16 or 17 of them. And that doesn't even remotely uh, include everybody that is available. A lot of those guys are northerners. uh, So sometimes they make the trip, sometimes they don't. But uh, Chaz Wolbert, who was the uh, division champion, uh, not, not not at our track, but the rush champion, Couple of years in a row now, he comes home with a checkered flag, and those guys are always entertaining. And another division, much like the sprint cars and the late models, for that matter, really affordable. These guys are having a blast. Um, you know, I'm a little biased because I, I do some work for Vicki Imig and, and Mike Leon with the Rush Series, but uh, I think that in terms of cost control, in terms of uh, getting guys back excited and girls excited again about the sport of racing without breaking the bank, uh I the way I put it is they have moved the needle in this sport and I, I really believe that they're gonna save a lot of people or bring a lot of people back. They already have brought a lot of people back into racing. So those two divisions uh have been great. Our rush late models were the same way. Um big field of the late models last week I think we had twenty or twenty or on Saturday rather, I think we had twenty or twenty one and uh and our hobby stock division, too, has continued to grow. We have more people uh, jumping in. Saw so a lot of people jumping back in. Uh, it's, it's another one. It's affordable. Our hobby stock division, I think they call them chargers at Jennerstown. Different places call them uh, street stocks or whatever. It, they're the metric chassis, GM, uh, you know, Monte Carlo, Buick Regal, Olds Cutlass-type body. They look, Scott, like the cars you and I drove in the 80s, and I think that's a lot of the appeal. And uh, and these guys just continually put on our uh, show.
0: Well, and the winner there, Stephen Sheltman, he uh, just picked up where he left off last year. Another successful run for him. And yeah, uh, but
2: but I, but I should interrupt and say not by uh, not by any other means than a, a lot of people coming to his aid. He caught fire in his heat race. Uh, he stopped down at the front stretch. And he had a fire under his hood, and I got to give a call out to. Our safety crew, we know them as the super snuffers. They got the fire out. They uh, they kept the damage down, and the the uh, the Sheltman Racing Group, they went, they got together and hammered that car out, and Steven starts deep in the field and comes out and, as you said, picks up right where he left off with, with picking up the victory.
0: Well, and one of the things you got to love about local racing is when something like that happens, you know, they, they pull it into the pits, and, and sure, the Sheltmans jump right on it, But there's guys from other crews that come over and say, what do you need? What can we help you out with? Do you need anything? And and that is absolutely what I love about racing in general. Uh, Guys do not want to beat or take a victory without beating everybody that's there that night. And if it takes teamwork from multiple teams to get that car back on the track, they're going to do what they can do.
2: There are hundreds of stories, Scott, across the country of exactly what you're talking about. What do you need? Let me go see what I have in my trailer. And invariably, sometimes what will happen is the guy that loans or gives you the part it winds up losing to the guy you helped. But you know what? Nobody cares because at the end of the night, everybody's having a beer together. Everybody's having a grand time. And I think, truthfully, you mentioned the Sheltman specifically. That whole back row, which I just call Hobby Stock Row back there, the, the Anton. And the McGill's and the Sheltons. I mean, you talk about one big happy family, and you think they didn't miss each other when we didn't go racing on the first of May. I mean, it, they just—when I was out there for their practice day or our practice day that day, it, they were so thrilled to all be together again, and and that all speaks to what you're talking about. It's one big happy family, is it not?
0: Yeah, definitely. It. Uh, I was disappointed I couldn't make it out there for. Had a personal uh, schedule confliction at the last minute, uh, thanks to some work that I was getting done at the house, and uh, I, you know, I got the results, and I was watching some of the stuff across social media, and my wife was, she walked in, she had been doing some things throughout the day, and she's like, you know, she's like, I really feel bad that you got stuck here while the contractors are doing the work on the house, and I said, hey, it, it's one weekend. I said from here on out till the end of the year, I said Friday, Saturday, some Sundays, you're not going to see me. So if, you know, <laughs> if I got to sacrifice a little bit, I got to sacrifice a little bit. And, uh, you know, I was disappointed I didn't get out there, but uh, it'll, it it wasn't for a lack of effort, that's for sure. Anything else uh, pop out from Saturday night's racing? Well,
2: yeah, our our, our winner in the Rush Late Models, Christian Schneider, uh, first or second year i was out there he actually won his first super late model race now that came with a little bit of an asterisk because uh that's when our super late model counts were really dying down i mean he beat a field of about four or five cars uh and of course we don't have the super late anymore but he's gotten himself in this ken manicky owned number one st and he's always in the conversation but Ten other guys are always in the conversation in this rush uh, late model division. Ben Police from Rice's Landing, Pennsylvania. He's our past. He's our 2019 champion. Uh, John Mollick, Justin Lamb. The list goes on and on. Like I said, ten guys could win on any Saturday night, and it just happened to be uh, Christian Schneider's. Excuse me, Christian Schneider's uh, uh, night that night. So, really, a nice night, uh, warm again i I couldn't i couldn't be more proud of our fans uh they behaved themselves to the the best of my knowledge again i wasn't really down there uh i need to give a call out to uh, bill steinbach the third mutual friend of ours took care of my victory lane uh, duties for me uh, because i just uh, you know i'm going to be i'm going to be 60 next year and 49 steps got from the track surface where I do victory lane interviews back up to the booth. And I missed the first five laps of the next feature because I'm climbing those stairs, catching my breath. So we've got a little program in place. I'm going to have uh, four guys kind of in a rotation, proud to say you were one of them and uh, that are going to be helping me out and saving my knees. And uh, so that's, that's one thing that's happening at the speedway. The other thing is, and you mentioned every Saturday night from now on, not quite, this coming yeah, Saturday, this we are we are dark. We have always it's weird because we started so late. We open one night, we have to close again the following week. But that's always scheduled, and we never we never schedule against the firecracker at Lernerville. It doesn't make any sense. It gives our fans an opportunity to go and go somewhere else on a Saturday night. And we do have one weekend all the way in September. It's actually Labor Day weekend, and believe it or not, PPMS is going to be turned into a drive-in movie theater. I'm not sure how it's all working. It's a lease deal. But it gives everybody Labor Day weekend off if you want to go see racing somewhere else or just go along with, you know, whatever else you have to do. But other than that, you know, season looks like the season always does. We come back July 4th honoring one of the best guys to ever lay his hand on a steering wheel around here, and that's Herb Scott for the Herb Scott Memorial on July 4th. We have the Ed Laboon Memorial. We have a couple of other big races coming up. And, of course, like every year, we wrap it all up with the Pittsburgher 100. This year it is October second and third, and it's the Cars and Stars of the Lucas Oil Late Model Series, and those guys never ever disappoint. And uh, looking forward to a good season, all you know, albeit abbreviated, but um, we're hoping we can go back to whatever normal feels like here before too long.
0: Well, hopefully we can keep the numbers flat and level around this area, and we don't get any spikes. We don't have to worry about the caution flag coming out. We want green flag for the rest of the racing season. Jim Zufall, Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, thanks for taking time out to recap opening night at PPMS. For folks that want to head out for the July 4th weekend and the Herb Scott Memorial, how can they find out about tickets? And really, with no baseball around and very few live sporting events taking place in this area, now's the time for folks, even the casual sports fan, to go to PPMS, go to Learnersville go to Jennerstown and support some of these local business owners who are putting on a great product.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, and with NASCAR getting sideways with a lot of people these days, I think, and people not traveling, that's the big thing. Uh, I think you're going to have a lot more grassroots racing, uh, people's eyes open to what grassroots racing feels like. And we're proud to be a part of that. How can people find out about it? Easiest way is ppms.com right now, as of this moment. Our schedule on the Eventbrite site, where you can, or you know, pre-order your tickets, that is now only being populated. We've had some issues with people. uh, A a couple of our guys, one of our guys actually, his full-time job is to work for NEP. I think you met Taylor last year. He's sitting in Connecticut, uh, working for NEP and CBS Sports uh, for a golf tournament. So I think I think while he's in his hotel room, he's going to be populating our schedule, and uh, then you can go click on each event you have all your ticket pricing. you can buy your tickets, uh, you know, up front if you like, or simply look at the schedule on PPMS, pick a Saturday night or two or five, doesn't matter. Come on out, stand in line, grab a ticket, come on in, bring the family. Uh, you know, we always have something going on that, uh, that I think entertains everybody and especially the racing on the track, which so far so good practice day was a little bit dusty because it was the middle of the afternoon with a pretty stiff breeze, but, uh, boy, our track crew just absolutely killed it for this last Saturday night, and I would expect nothing less the rest of the year. It's it's pretty entertaining stuff.
0: Jim, we're looking forward to seeing you out at PPMS as the season rolls on. Thanks for taking time out to join us.
2: Always a pleasure,
0: Scott. Special thanks to Jim for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. One of the winners at PPMS on opening weekend was Rush Sprint Car driver Zach Morrow, who also runs a four ten sprint car. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, driver of the number 27M, Alternative Power Sources, ConsumerLaw365.com, Generational Dental, Rush Sprint Car, Zach Morrow. Zach, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
3: Well, thanks for having me, Scott.
0: Zach, for the folks listening to the podcast who may not be familiar with how you got into racing, tell me how you first fell in love with racing as a fan, and then how that translated to you getting into racing as a passion?
3: My first fan experience I remember is actually watching Kyle Petty in the forty four Hot Wheels car. I believe I was pretty young, like playing with Hot Wheels cars, so it just was a natural fit. And um, I went with my dad, and my uncle, and some of their friends to Martinsville every spring for the race. And um, the kid I went to school with, that I was friends with, he raced go karts at Super Rock Speedway. Dad and I went up there for the last race of the year, and by the next year, he he had bought me a go kart to race. And that was Clayton Kennedy. He raced the super late models at Larnerville. Another kid I went to high school with, he actually raced the stock cars at Lanerville. Mike Ort, he was in my wedding.
0: So you guys started out as fans, and then you jumped into go karts. How how many years did you run the go karts?
3: Maybe ten. From I started go kart racing when I was thirteen, and I probably. Stopped probably 11 years, I guess. I probably stopped when I was 24, 23 maybe, somewhere around there.
0: And then how did that transition? What what was the next step that you took in your racing progression?
3: Well, I worked at a machine shop, and my boss was Scott Priester. He had a bunch of stuff that was uh, Brian Simons, and Brian got hurt and wasn't racing anymore. And I came home one day with a sprint car frame, a tail tank, uh, some other miscellaneous parts. And that was, I decided to sell my go-kart stuff, and it took me about a year to get everything put together. I was going to go 305 racing, but I found a really good deal on a used 410, and that's the route we went.
0: So you transitioned from go-karts straight into a 410, and about what age was that, roughly?
3: I'd guess 24. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to be 24, because I've been doing it six years. I'm 30 now.
0: So that was the 410, and you ran that for six years. And when did you get involved with the Rush Sprint Car Series?
3: Well, I've known Sylvan Eislir, who owns Alternative Power Sources, since I was 14 or 15. We always ran the same chat season go kart racing, and him and I were talking a couple a couple weeks after the initial announcement that Rush was going sprint car racing, and he said, "Hey, if you want to do it." To help you out with an engine, you provide a car, but you need to give your, like, make that your 100% effort. He's like, that; it's something that you could be really good at. Um, it's something that you could really enjoy. And I was, I wasn't sure at first, because I, I mean, I wanted to run my 410 car all the time. like But I, I started to realize it just isn't feasible. I don't have the, the money to do that, and I don't have the help. So we started running that Rush car in uh,
0: 2018. So you picked the Rush car up in 2018, and here we are a couple of years later, and you parked it in Victory Lane at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway for their opener this past weekend. You parked it in Victory Lane a couple of times there last year, so you found some success with the Rush formula. So let's talk a little bit about why the Rush formula works versus a 358 or a 410 sprint cuz really it's all about cost containment and bringing more people into the sport that don't necessarily have that big buck sponsorship
3: the whole platform just helps people that want to race for a hobby not all of us can go race two or three nights a week in a in field a competitive 410 when you do that you're running 60 times a year that's three rebuilds like for me we can't do that. But with the rush car, I buy a new tire, it lasts five or six nights, solid nights. The motor, the whole package I think between eight and nine grand. And I mean you get you can get forty or fifty nights out of an engine. The shocks are a lot cheaper. Are they the same quality as the ones on my four ten? No, but they work really well. Like everyone's on the same stuff. You don't you don't have to have a brand new car or everything. Like my car's a two thousand eleven. It it works pretty well.
0: Tell me about Saturday night. You picked up the win at the home or the season opening race at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. I was there last year when you parked it in Victory Lane, so you seem like you got a feel for that place.
3: Even when I raced go karts, I liked tracks that you really had to carry momentum at. So, for my first time in a 410 at Pittsburgh, I just enjoyed the place. We didn't run any well, but it's just you have to be smooth. You have to be patient. We unloaded there Saturday, and the track was. It was pretty good. It had a lot of bite in it. They put a lot of water down. It was smooth. I really was worried that Jeremy Weaver was going to be the guy to beat because he's on those fast, wide-open racetracks. He's a pretty little guy and really likes to stand in the gas.
0: Zufall called him Hollywood Weaver when I talked to uh, when I talked to Zufall <laughs> before I talked to you. And uh, let's back up before we get to the feature. You said to me off mic before we got started about. You knew you had a quick car when you went out in your heat race uh, because you turned some pretty quick laps in your heat race.
3: In hot laps, it was a little tight, and I saw the late models were just – they pushed the groove up about another lane. And we started second in the heat and got a really good start and just kind of – I didn't realize I drove away. I just was like – the whole time I was worried Weaver. I was just going to see him slide me. And when I came in, I think my crew guy Nelson said we had a – straightaway lead or a half straightaway lead and I was like oh wow like that went better than I expected and then I went home and looked at my laps and those were the fastest laps we've ever turned there in the rush sprint car
0: and we had it in the story the other day you did something like uh 20.8 or something
3: yeah that sounds right. 20.89
0: I think maybe so tell me about the start of the race I guess uh you started on the outside Weaver started on the inside and you thought for a second that you might have jumped the start
3: yeah, that's. I've always felt really good at judging when to go on restarts, from go karts to the rush car. I saw his front end kind of bounce up, and I was like, "All right, it's time to go!" And I hit the gas, and he didn't go with me, and I rolled out of it, and we got going together because I didn't want I didn't want to jump the start and possibly get put back a row then we talked after the feature and he said his car stumbled
0: any more racing uh, in some of these most competitive series you have got to get a, uh, the restarts are and the starts are, are where where it's at and some of the best racing
3: oh yeah i mean even though we won by quite a bit you never know what that does to someone's confidence or how they drive if they make it to the first corner first everyone says races can't be won on the first lap but i don't know i've seen quite a few races lately that the guy who gets the clean especially in a wing car Whoever gets the clean air first has the best chance.
0: You know, when you're out front, you're just concentrating on hitting your marks and your lines and running your line. You're not necessarily (laughs) worried about who's behind you or, you know, the only time you worry about traffic is when you're catching it, whereas when you're trying to come through traffic, it's a totally different deal.
3: Yeah. Racing, I think, is 100% about self-confidence. If you think you can go somewhere and win, you got a good chance at running well. If you go there all nervous, you're probably going to be behind the eight ball, and you just got to keep other people from getting that confidence. If he gets to a first turn first, you never know. Maybe he drives differently. Maybe he runs a different line all on his own, and then I spend my race trying to run a line to pass him, and maybe I'm not as fast as I would have been running the top.
0: You said to me uh, uh, after the race how much you like running that, uh, I don't want to necessarily call it the high groove, but talk about the groove that you were able to work at Pittsburgh this past weekend and why you enjoy it.
3: Running the top around Pittsburgh is just, I mean, when you pull in after you run some really badass laps on the top, you feel like Jack Houghton Child, I guess, because not everyone's willing to run up there. I've run up there a lot in an all wing car and I really haven't run too many wing races there, but it's, you get your momentum up and it's, I think it's a lot easier to hit your marks. You can keep the car straighter. There's usually a little bit more bite on the wall possibly. And it's just another lane. Like a lot of the guys, it's a lot easier to pass them because a lot of guys run around the bottom.
0: Well, the old rumor is that the bottom's the shortest way around the track, but the momentum's at the top of the track.
3: Oh yeah. Especially there.
0: Let me ask you this because it's been so long for PPMS and Lernerville to open, what, what was the layoff? You know, you guys should have been in these cars in April and here you are, you're only jumping in them in June. What was the layoff like for you? And, uh, how much, how much better did you feel once you had the opportunity to jump in the car? What was that feeling like?
3: I use racing as a, it's almost like a stress release. You go to work all week and you bust your butt in the garage all week. And it's just, I am almost calmer. So by end of March, you're about ready to bust the walls down to get racing. Well then, what was it? March 14th, they tell us we're staying home for two weeks. So I kind of kept working on the cars. Well then after that two weeks, it was what, maybe they made it a month. I kind of got kind of lazy on stuff. There was, there's probably stuff I should have been taking care of during that time that I just was like, you almost get depressed because we spend all winter saving up money to buy race car parts and then there's nowhere to go. You kind of saw the writing on the wall maybe three weeks ago. Well I guess probably now, it was almost a month ago. That we were gonna be back soon and I spent a couple about a week every night in the garage pre lake getting everything finished up between both cars and we kinda of got a good handle on things now.
0: Well you got a good start to the season so far. Uh, grabbing the win at Pittsburgh on Saturday. What's uh, on your schedule here for the next couple of weeks? What do you plan on running? Are you, you going to run the Rush and the 410 throughout the year? What's your game plan?
3: Yeah, we're going to run them both. We're going to run Sharon on Saturday with the Rush car for sure. The 410 car, the second night Tri-City, I had a little bit of a motor issue. I can't really figure out what caused it. But we're going to go up to uh, Mercer's practice tomorrow. And if that goes well, we'll be at Tri-City on Sunday. And we'll probably run most Friday nights at Lernerville and run the rush car most Saturdays. We'll be at Sharon or Pittsburgh. But um, my biggest goal for this year is to win that rush championship. We were close last year. Unfortunately, Chad Roman's not running this year, which is a bummer. Because I feel like we're finally good enough to where we could beat him. And that's kind of that was a goal but um, Weaver's going to be fast, Brian Woodhall, Indy File. A lot of those guys could win on any night.
0: Well, it should be an exciting year, no doubt, in the Rush Sprint Series, and the 410s are always competitive. Uh, Whether you're at Lernerville, we'll see them at PPMS, and uh, they're going to run at Sharon, Tri-City. And obviously, I think one of the most important things is we have great racing within an, an hour, an hour and 45 minutes of Pittsburgh, whether you're... Going to Lernerville, PPMS, Sharon, Mercer, Tri-City, Port Royal, Sealands Grove. We've got some great racetracks and probably something that the fans without baseball and without some of the summer activities, traditional sports fans, this gives them a golden opportunity to go check out racing.
3: People don't realize like local racing, I think is it's pretty ideal to go to as a social event. Like you go to an NASCAR race, you might not have a break. Where you can sit there and talk to your buddy and be like, and just talk about how well someone did or the line they ran. I mean, I still go to races with friends of mine, and we'll sit up there in the stands. And before a heat race, we'll each pick a car out. And I mean, we're not betting money or anything, but like just to see who made the right pick. It's pretty affordable to go. It's a good time. You usually get out of the races at a decent an hour, and especially where we live, you have so many options. Whether you're a late model fan, a sprint car fan non-wing fans, modified, it doesn't matter.
0: Well said. Well said. Zach Morrow, Zach Morrow Racing, I know you got a lot of help on your cars. Let the folks at home know who support you. And of course, if there's a company out there that is looking to partner up with you, how can they do it? You can contact me at um, Zach
3: Morrow Racing on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I'd like to thank Alternative Power Sources, Consumer Law 365, Generational Dental, Woods Run Custom, Precise Racing, Hooker Harness, Franklin Racing Supply, Ingram Engines. Everyone's a big supporter. and helps me tremendously.
0: And you got two other big support systems there in Mrs. Morrow and your right-hand man, Nelson.
3: Oh, yeah. Definitely my wife. I forgot to uh, thank her in Victory Lane this week. So I kind of felt bad about that, but I felt really bad. Nelson's a great help, and out of my five rush wins, he's been there for three of them. The other two were on Wednesday nights and he had to work. But I keep forgetting to thank him in victory lane, so I wanted to thank him. And at the rush banquet last year, I actually got him a nice round of
0: applause by thanking him. He just needs a good help. Well, you can't do it without the support system, that's for sure. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking time out of of your schedule to talk with us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, and we love watching guys like you and all the local guys uh, sling the dirt around. And uh, we look forward to seeing you at a couple of other shows this year. Hey, thanks a lot, Scott. Great talking with Zach. Even better seeing his family celebrate with him in victory lane. Another sprint car driver who is off to a great start in 2020 is Brandon Spitholler, and we caught up with him. Joining us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast, 410 Sprint Car Driver, Brandon Spitholler. Brandon, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to talk with us. Well, Scott, I appreciate you having me on. Hey, let's talk a little bit for the race fans who may not know you. Let's talk a little bit about your history. When did you first start to get into racing as a fan before say you were into it as a driver
4: oh it started my my parents took me to the races i was probably two or three started watching as a spectator and kind of started from my dad's passion uh, he went to learn and other you know local racetracks across pennsylvania in high school and what have you and and Decide, decided to start taking me at a young age
0: and from then on i was hooked so it started on the local level it didn't start by watching like nascar in tv or uh playing with matchbox and hot wheels or anything like that
4: um i mean all that was also in, included uh but i mean the, the the love for sprint car racing started by going to um, Lernerville, Williams Grove, Mercer, Sharon, Tri-City, you name it. Some racetracks that aren't even around anymore.
0: Well, you named a bunch of heavy hitters that are still around. So that's cool. And about how old were you when you first got the itch to maybe want to try it as a driver?
4: When I was, when I was a little kid, you know, growing up, going to the races, I, I always wanted to, um, and then my dad kind of gave me the, the choice to make either I, I had a four wheeler, and he basically said, "Hey, do you want to? You know, we could sell the four wheeler and buy a racing go kart, or do you just want to have the four wheeler?" So uh, we actually borrowed uh, one of his his friend's son son's let us. They put me in the cart at Slippery Rock Raceway after the races one night, the end of the year, and I believe it was two thousand and two. And they put me in the cart and after the races and they wouldn't uh they couldn't get me back in. They couldn't get me off the racetrack. So that pretty much answered that. And two thousand three I started racing go karts at age of I believe I was twelve or thirteen, living twelve.
0: And talk about your progression from uh, how many years did you stay in karts?
4: Uh, ran, I ran go-karts up until uh, three years. oh6 was our last year, so 2003 to 2006.
0: And then after um, go-karts, what was, what was the next car that you jumped into?
4: Uh, we, the plan was we my dad purchased a limited sprint that was when Blaney put together that that green flag sprint then renamed the limited sprint series at Sharon but the age limit to drive was 16 and so we, we bought the car and put everything together and was planning on running go-karts one per year and then because I was still 15 and then they lowered the age limit and I was able to jump in a year ahead, and so we started running limited sprints in 07. and we got the, I got the Sharon Speedway Rookie of the Year, and had some success. We we won a couple of races our first year.
0: And then, how many years did you run the limited sprint?
4: Um, three years, also, 2007 through 2009, and we got the Sharon Track Championship in 2009.
0: So you had some success, and obviously you have a feel for running on the dirt. So what was after the limited sprint?
4: Um, After, throughout the winter of 2009 going into 2010, um, I was lucky enough to meet Tom Berkey, and he uh, gave me an opportunity to uh, join – he helped our our team uh, immensely and uh we were able to upgrade to uh to a 410 sprint and started running our first partial season was 2010
0: so this is basically your 10th anniversary of running a 410 car
4: yeah it's surprising it's been that
0: long but it has so what is it that you love about driving a race car
4: Um, everything about a sprint car race is appealing because it's, I mean, there is some, some strategy involved, but they're called sprint cars for a reason. You pretty much run as hard as you can for all 25 or 30 laps or however long it is, uh, depending on the race. And I mean, it's pretty much the driver in the car. Once, once the whole team decides on a setup, there's, there's no one really out there that can assist you. It's, it's on you at that point, which is something I thought was appealing. And
0: Did you uh, play any stick and ball sports as a kid growing up? <clears throat>
4: uh, I, I did some track and field because that didn't interfere with, with racing as much. And then when, uh, we started getting pretty serious into spring players, kind of that took up more of the time and, and, that's where most of my time went after that was in the garage
0: now the 410 sprints is a pretty competitive field and those cars are a bit of a beast to drive so take me through a lap and take the the folks listening uh, around a virtual lap in your head uh, what's going through your mind when you when you drop the flag what do you when the flag drops and what are you searching for in terms of what's the key to the success to finding a line that works for you?
4: Um, it kind of depends on the racing surface and the, and the racetrack shape. There's, there's a lot of, um, high speed momentum racetracks out there and that are dry slick that, that you're actually on and off the throttle searching for, you know, searching for forward bite And, um, and trying to keep the car straight then i prefer a racetrack that that has a lot of bite in it maybe builds a, a nice cushion and um and you can kind of throw the car around a little bit um and and drive just about as hard as the car will let you
0: and as you were coming up through the ranks growing up who were some of your favorite drivers both locally and on a national scale
4: Um, on a national scale, I, I liked uh, Jack Um when I was growing up, when he was in the Eldon 22, and that's how I got the 22 on the car. Um, so that's where the number comes from. And on a local level, uh, I mean, when I was little, Ed Lynch was pretty much the top dog around here. And um, other than that, I mean, whether it was... Oh, Ralphie, Kevin Schaefer. I mean, you name it. There was a lot of good racing, you know, growing up in the late late 90s and early 2000s.
0: And now how crazy is it that you're competing on the same track as Ed's Kid, Cy? You got guys like Jack Sodeman, Carl Bowser. You have... A.J. Flick, it's a pretty stacked field Friday nights at Lernerville and some of the other tracks. Without a doubt, you really don't know from one week to the next who's going to park it in Victory Lane.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, on a local level here in western Pennsylvania, there's always, you know, five or six that you can you can definitely, you can't count out for sure. and And when we travel around a little bit more, there's, I mean, out in Ohio, there's, there's a ton where, whether it's an all-star show or not, there's, there's a ton of good talent around that you definitely have to be on your A-game.
0: Now, you talked about traveling to Ohio. What are some of your favorite racetracks that, that you travel to, and what is it that you like about each particular track?
4: My favorite racetrack would probably be Mercer Raceway Park. Uh, we have a fair amount of wins there. And then second, to Mercer would be Wayne County Gray, in Orville. Um, those those tend to tend to suit my driving style uh, more than most, and and we've had some success at both of them.
0: Well, it's not uncommon to find a driver that likes a couple of tracks where he's had success. So <laughs> there's a lot of guys like you in that regard who are some of your sponsors on your car who are some of the people that have helped you get to this point um my my parents
4: first and foremost for for getting me into all this and then uh right behind them would be tom Berkey, who is uh superior tank and trailer and raven's trailers i couldn't do it without him he's helped me immensely the last 10 years and um <clears throat> To name the, uh, the rest of the sponsors that, that are helping out this year in 2020, we have uh, Right Way Virtual Assistant, who jumped on board this year. Um, Sugar Creek Towing, who jumped on board this year. Uh, Tony Burke Trucking, who uh, helps out a lot. And uh, Miller Maintenance HVAC up in Slippery Rock has, has been with us for quite some time. Uh, Roxy's Diner, uh, just up the street in Butler. Uh, alternative power sources and um, also high performance lubricants and um, this coming saturday we'll actually have the car on display at advanced auto parts in harmony for uh uh, to show some appreciation for everything they do for
0: us awesome and and there's a lot of give and take with sponsors that that uh goes on in racing and it's nice to see that that you're paying it back by parking the car out front. And who knows, you might be able to uh, have a couple of kids come up that were like you when you were a young kid and uh, you leave them with that impression and mom and dad can bring the youngsters to the track. I mean, it's some of the most affordable fun that a family can have in this day and age, especially now with COVID when there ain't a whole lot that people can do.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's great family fun. Um, I mean, all the drivers after the races are, I mean, all of them will, will 90% of them have autograph cards, and all of them will give you a little bit of their time to, you know, stop and chat, and it's just a real nice atmosphere.
0: Well, one of the things I love about the racing community is you talk about that atmosphere. You guys are competitors on the track, but if somebody has a problem, and one of the most unique things about the racing the sport of racing that I love is that if somebody has a problem and they go into the pits, there's guys from other teams and other drivers coming over and saying, "Hey, and what do you need?" because uh they want to beat if if they park it in victory lane, everybody wants to beat everybody that's there that night and nobody wants to see somebody not be able to participate in the event because of a mechanical issue and that's that's so unique. And so different from any other sport.
4: It really is. I mean, whether it's whether it's a, a long, you know, a long season battle for, for points at a at a local track, or even you know, one big show. If something happens, there's always people coming from or, or to borrow a part or borrow tools or whatever you need. I mean, you definitely want to beat the guys on the racetrack. You don't want to know that you beat them because they were stuck in the pit.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about your 2020 season. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, you finished third at Lernerville last week, and uh, the previous Sunday, you parked it in Victory Lane at Tri-City. So, tell me a little bit about uh, your uh, season so far.
4: Um, yes, yeah, so far, we've been uh, been pretty good. We, uh, it was great to get that win up at Tri-City. The, good to see that that racetrack opened, and they seem to be – Doing a great job, at um, preparing the racetrack and and you know putting in a good effort to, to bring the place back and hope they get lots of fans and lots of cars to support them and we'll have a Sunday night racetrack. Um, but as far as the rest of our season, we had a good fairly good run up at up at last week. And uh, other than that, we had a couple. We had a top five at at Attica against the Southfield of forty some cars, or I think it was forty some. It had to had to be close anyway uh we run fifth at at Wayne County also with a pretty stout field earlier in the year and um we've been uh fairly fast everywhere we went we haven't really gone backwards yet so that's that's something to hang our hat on and build off of moving forward
0: so you got a little momentum in your favor what is on your schedule for the remainder at least the next couple of weeks where are you going to be running
4: Um, this coming week, we will be at Sharon's opening night on Saturday, and we'll go back to Tri-City on Sunday, and the following week, we'll probably hit, I don't believe we'll be able to run all of Ohio Sprint Seed Week, but we'll run probably the first clip and, and fall off by, after Monday at Wayne County, and then come back for the two days, Saturday and Sunday at Sharon, the 11th and the 12th. So we'll probably be at Attica and Fremont, um, you know, weather permitting. And unless something happens, that's kind of our tentative plan.
0: Cool. How difficult was the, the COVID for you guys? I mean, it, it was the green flag was getting ready to drop on the air, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, it's pulled out from under everybody. So uh, how did uh, how did you guys handle that? And, uh, you know, what, what was your impression when, when you started to hear – about the different tracks starting to reopen.
4: It definitely threw you know through a wrench in our plans, so to speak, but as it did with everybody, the race cars were done and we had pretty much nowhere to go and uh, and we got to wait around and I probably got more projects done around the house and the garage that I never thought I was gonna get to. So I guess that was a bust. But we were definitely eager to get racing and um, it's a it's a little bit of a change because schedules have changed and you're kinda you know, most all of racetracks have have opened up now and it's starting to get better and you can kinda plan a little better, but it's just getting around everybody's schedule, changing a little bit and and trying to write stuff down on the calendar.
0: Again. For the race fans at home that wanna follow you, how can they follow you on social media?
4: Um we have a pretty good following on our Facebook page. It's Brandon SpitHoller Racing Uh, for most all of our weekend updates. Also on Twitter at spitholler 22 We do have a website um, BrandonSpitHoller.com, and uh, also an Instagram page. And uh, we we did finally get uh, our 2020 repair one order. So within within about 10 days, we should have them hot off the presses and and set up at a racetrack near you, I suppose.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. We know you got a busy uh, uh, at night during the week. You guys are working on your cars, getting them ready for the weekend. So we appreciate and ta- appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us on the Pittsburgh Racing Now podcast. We look forward to catching up with you uh, at the track as the season rolls on.
4: Great. I I appreciate you having me, and I uh, thank you very much
0: that'll do it for another edition of the pittsburgh racing now podcast i have to thank Corey heim jim zufall zach morrow and brandon Spithaler for another great podcast and thanks to you for joining us race fans don't forget to stay up to speed on all of the local racing news as well as the latest in the world of nascar IndyCar, cars sports cars and dirt tracks at pittsburghracingnow.com use of this podcast without the express written consent of pittsburgh racing now is prohibited i'm scott stiller we will talk to you next week